Welcome to today's BCOG online podcast episode. These weekly sermons are a part of the growing online ministry of God. Buford Church of God is a growing multi-campus and multicultural Pentecostal church north of Atlanta. We are reaching people around the world to see lives transformed through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you for tuning in with us and enjoy today's episode with Senior Pastor Joey Grizzle. Remain standing with me, please, for the reading of God's Word. We're going to read from John chapter 11. John chapter 11. I'm going to talk about the Twisted Sisters today. Two different approaches to God. Two Christians, both of them called on God's name, accepted Him as Savior. Two of them. With two completely different lifestyles, with two different results. Would you take the Word of God and hold the Scripture close to your heart? Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you, God, to help me pay attention. Help me give the respect this Word deserves. Let me not spend my time in service worried about everyone else. Let me slide my feet under the master's table. For heaven is calling, come and dine, come and dine. It's me, it's me, it's me that stands in need of your touch. Let your glory be revealed to me. Let me receive this word. Let it change my life. Would you stretch your hands toward me, Heavenly Father? I pray that you would anoint me to preach today. I pray that your favor and face shine on me. Let your glory and power be made manifest in me. I worship you. I magnify you. I exalt you in this place. In Jesus' name. Please remain standing with me. John chapter 11, starting with verse 20. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Who who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Well, yes, Lord, I believe that you're the Christ. The Son of God who who is to come into the world. And when she had said these things, she got the last word and went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, The teacher has come and is calling for you. As soon as she heard that, she arose, speaking of Mary, quickly came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was exactly in the same place where Martha had told him off. Then the Jews were with her, meaning Mary, with her in the house, And comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, they followed her, saying, she's going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet. Said the same thing. Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her weeping, He groaned in the spirit and was troubled. 
He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Say amen at the reading of God's word. You may be seated. I love preaching this because Martha Tucker's here. And she loves the way I say Martha. When we're preaching on Martha, you've got to say it as if it's just a word that you're having to chew on before you can let it go. When I first arrived here, I preached on Mary and Martha when they were actually in the house. And Martha all consumed with with the kitchen and Jesus consumed with teaching and Mary consumed with listening. And I preached for three weeks on that Martha spirit. And by the third week, she said to me, if you had said Martha one more time, I was going to stand up and go, what do you want? (laughs) Two different women, two saved women, two Christian women. Two different results. Jesus, four days late, Lazarus dead. I initiate this discussion because theologically this is the beginning of the passion of Christ. This is what compelled the Jews to kill Jesus. Listen to me, Pentecostals. Manifestation of God's miracles does not cause your church to grow. It will cause you to be crucified. The greatest miracle perhaps in history performed by Christ compelled the political elites to kill Christ. They would rather have their political position than Pentecostal power. And there are a lot of people, no matter what happens in here, you go home and you say, you should have been there. You could have really been affected by the power of God in that room. You could almost see Him, His glory. And their eyes glass over and they say, that's great. Do you want to go to the lake? They don't even recognize that it's important to experience the power of God. We have a culture that is growing intoxicated, drinking the unholy sacrament of abortion. The same spirit of slavery is the same spirit that committed genocide against the Cherokee Indians. And it's the same spirit that's murdering the unborn. And all three groups defended their genocide using the same language and the same philosophical argument. It's the same spirit. And yet they, in modern generations, will say, well, our nation is evil because we committed this sin. Our nation is evil because we committed this sin. And yet, simultaneously, they will embrace the modern sin meaning they're no better than the slave owner they're no better than the trail of tears the same murderous barbarism that killed people years ago is the same murder killing our children now by the way thank you to all of you who went yesterday and prayed I believe it made a difference we stood outside that that center where abortions are taking place, and we prayed and we asked God to protect and heal and save the lives of those children. Do what you can. Listen to me. If they embrace these sins, 
The church has always stood against these things. Maybe there are some false churches that stood for them, but we stand against the slavery. We stand against that genocide of the Native American. And we also stand against abortion. We're consistent. We're pro-life. But this culture, you can, you can do whatever you want to do with the miracle of God. You're not going to change some people's minds simply because you have power with God. That's not what changes them. Jesus said, if they won't accept Moses and the prophets, though one be raised from the dead, they won't pay attention. You can't hold their attention. So... As we pray in this church for the manifest power of God, just know what you're asking for. Please, God, let us be persecuted. Let them hate us the way they hated you. Let them talk bad about us the way they talked bad about Jesus. You're not very excited anymore. See, it's fun to say, let the lame leap and the blind see and the dead be raised back to life again. But when you know that the due penalty of revival is actual persecution, many times we don't necessarily embrace that. So, two women, Martha, who cannot put her phone down, Martha, who cannot get out of the kitchen, Martha, who can't stop bossing people around, and Mary, can't get her out of the altar, can't stop her from worshiping, we used to have a lady in our church in Tekoa. She would actually offend some of the other ladies because she would say, they would say, would you volunteer to help in this particular ministry? And we're going to do this. She says, when are you going to do that? Well, immediately after church, she says, no, I'll be in the altar. Remember that? Well, you can take one Sunday off. No, I can't. Jesus may come back today. Oh, it was quite a discussion. I enjoyed watching it. From afar. <laughs> Martha got to Jesus first. Listen to me, anybody who wants to do something great for God. Before you get into the sanctuary, Martha will confront you in the foyer. It's the way it's going to be. It's not necessarily the girls either. There's, there's men that are Martha's. Now, they get marthed up with different stuff. They'll wander around in the parking lot, join the security, be in the balcony, try and act like they're doing stuff for God, just not with God. So you have this, this Martha mentality. If you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Always saying what's not rather than declaring what is. Not praying, just complaining. If you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Bringing an indictment against Jesus. Martha, your brother will live again. Well, I know he'll live again on the last day at the resurrection. I didn't want him alive at the resurrection. I wanted him alive right now. Don't offer me your little spiritual stuff about tomorrow because my brother's dead right now. 
And Jesus said, no, no, no. I am the resurrection. I love the way Jesus worded it. Martha brought her best argument. I know this. I know that. No, I am the resurrection. I am the life. If any man believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. In other words, what you're looking for is standing right here in front of you. What you think you're seeking is standing two inches away from an answered prayer. Somebody talk to me. The difficulty is God has already provided the answer for your life. You just can't see that God has already arrived. You're so busy telling God what he didn't do, you can't celebrate what he's about to do. Everything you're looking for is right here. It's already in the house. I have arrived. I am the resurrection and the life. Any man who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Do you believe this? Yes, I believe that you're the Christ. That's not what the man asked you. Martha, I know you're going to heaven. But you have an answer for everything you do. It's almost like you just have a conversation that's not based on the conversation going on. You just say things in response. So, Jesus in this confrontation, do you believe this? She goes, yes, I believe that you are the Christ. It's not what I ask you. I didn't ask you for my resume. I know who I am. I asked you for your resume. The question is not, am I the Christ? The question is, are you a Christian? Is there any way that I can get you to just shut up? Because you want me to be Christ, you just don't want me to be your boss. What are you going to do when God shows up and says, No, you can't lay out a church and go fishing. No, you can't serve me and alcohol at the same time. No, you can't serve me and your cell phone and your celebrity status at the same time. You're either going to be in church or out of church, but you can't do both. Somebody talk to me. You've got to get to the place where you've made up your mind that Jesus is not just king up there. He's king right here. He's not just the boss of heaven. He's the boss of your heart. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let your will be done in my chair. Just as it is in heaven. Yes, I believe that you're the Christ, the son of the living God. The one that is to come. He's not is to come. He is. He's standing right there in front of you. What do you mean he's coming? Yeah, one day, I remember my dad preached this funeral and people came up to him and said, you know, one day you're going to grow up and be a great preacher. <laughs> yeah. And then Mary walks off. Mary always, not Mary, Martha. Martha walks off. Martha always gets the last word. She'll just stop talking. So she leaves, and then Mary gets confronted by her bossy sister. Jesus wants you. 
So Mary runs. She gets up quickly and she runs. Somebody say, same house. Same house. She gets up, runs out of the same house where Martha ran out of, where Lazarus used to live, and, and she gets up from the same house, same house, same crowd, after her twisted sister comes and tells her, Jesus wants to see you. Mary gets up and runs out of the house, and the Bible says everybody in the house saw Mary when she left. And when they saw Mary, they said she must be going to weep. And so they all got up and left with Mary. Martha, when she left, she got to go by herself. Because Martha's just bossy. Mary's a leader. There's a difference in being sassy and being sanctified. There's a difference in being just mouthy and being anointed. And there's a lot of people who make noise and they're bossy and they're sassy and they're wordy. And there's other people, they don't have to say anything. Mary never explained herself, but where she went, she took a crowd. Truthfully, this is why I'm jealous of my wife's anointing. When I grew up, we grew up, my dad worked at General Motors, and we did all right, but we didn't have a lot of money growing up. And so we had a perception of what money looked like and where people lived when they had money. And now my wife and I, we live in a subdivision where it's beautiful. We have a, a brick home. We've saved money and took care of our finances all of these years and, and now we, we have a great home we have two acres we have a little waterfall behind our house beautiful but my subdivision can intimidate me and I live there I see all of these people who have nice things and I think you know there's so much and it never occurs to me they're just like me and when their family comes over from where they were raised, I realized they were probably raised like me. And so when I walk through the neighborhood, there are times that I may not be as friendly as I should be. I'm a little more reserved. I'm quiet. I automatically assume that people have found out that I speak in tongues and they may not appreciate it. They automatically look at me and think I'm a demon caster outer. And I am. And I think that I'm bracing for combat. My wife walks through the neighborhood and people come out of their house to walk with her. I'm coming back from a long bike trip. I, I was biking all through Lake Lanier Islands and I was putting in my miles. I come in and Mia's standing in somebody's driveway and she's just moving her hands and there's a little crowd there and she's just talking to everybody and I come up and wave at them and they all go in the house. I'm just bossy. <laughs> she's the leader. There are some times that you need to realize that we're just Martha. Pastor, you're saying that about yourself. Yeah, because I'm different than you. I actually tell the truth about me. I don't allow myself to preach a word and not be convicted by it. I know what true worship looks like. She doesn't talk a lot, but when she walks through the neighborhood, people come out of their house. Hey, I'll walk with you. And they'll, she'll have a little string of people. 
I come out, people start closing their doors. Mary comes running out. Everybody's following her. They thought she was going to the tombs, but she didn't go to the tombs. She was leading a crowd. Where did she lead the crowd? She led them to Jesus. Jesus had not moved. Somebody say, had not moved. Not one inch from where Martha told him off. Martha always causes Jesus to stand stock still wherever he is. You want to shut a church down? Turn it over to Martha. I'm busy. I've got to do stuff. I've got to work. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. The second that spirit takes over your church, the spirit leaves your church. And he's wounded and grieved. Jesus stood right where Martha left him. Pastor, I haven't felt Jesus. I don't really feel him all the time. He's right where you left him, honey. The last time you had your little argument, he's still standing where you got the last word. And you thought that because you got the last word, that made you right. Because that's the way it works in my house. <laughs> now, truthfully, this is where I'm more merry than she is. She likes to get the last little word. And it's usually a little word. And so... She won't be like really loud or anything, but I'll hear her in there. She'll say something else. <laughs> right? What you shaking me? You don't want me to park it here for a minute? I need to describe how this works. See, Mia doesn't get real angry, but if I work on her all day, around about 4 o'clock, I can get her wound up. Pastor, you, you do that to your wife, half the fun of being married to a woman is picking on her. Take that out of the... Didn't go over very well. But no, see, Martha got the last word, so she thought she was right. Well, they haven't said anything to me lately. I mean, they said it, but not, not lately. I mean, they're not getting on to me anymore. No, they just gave up. Some causes are a little more hopeless than others. Be careful when he lets you get the last word. Mary shows up, says the same thing, brings a crowd. She didn't take them to a graveyard. She took them to Jesus. My question is, where are you leading your crowd? Are they better auto mechanics, better fishermen, better deer hunters are they better cooks are they more enjoyable do they have a little better marriage because you're in their life I'm improving their life or are you leading them to Christ are they closer to Jesus she led them to Jesus said the same thing if you'd been here my brother wouldn't have died except she assumed a different position the Bible says she fell down at his feet she didn't start the conversation with a complaint. She didn't start the conversation with what God had left off. She started the conversation with the knowledge that I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. I will enter his courts with praise. The death of my brother does not diminish the kingship of my Christ. Just because I have this dilemma does not mean I can demote him to the place of my depression and disobedience. She assumed the position, Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Same words, different reaction. 
It's kind of like my sister, who I listened to while I was in the balcony, and she didn't see me. <laughs> she made me cry, too. But when we were growing up, you know, when you have three brothers and one sister, it's not hard to figure out who's the favorite. You know, when it was just three brothers, it really depended on which one of us did the most that day. And so we could have a, and we still have a good argument going as to who's the most favorite, especially with mom. With dad, there's really no, I don't know if we can ever win that argument with dad, but with mom, we've got a good shot at winning that one, right? And so we fight over who gets to sit beside her and who gets the better gift and who, who really called her first. We always race to see who calls first. And so we're all fighting over our mother. With Kathy, she was born, forget about it. We didn't know our parents could love anybody like that. All of that emotion and love. Dad comes home from General Motors. I could walk out there to the car. Did you give me a Coke candy bar? Get your own Coke candy bar. Working all day. I'm tired. Kathy comes bouncing out the door. And she bounced. She bounced from the time she could crawl until she was 14 years old. Just bouncing and giggling, little hair, just, just the bouncing with her. And she just runs out there like everything is so rosy and beautiful because dad shows up and she goes out to the door. She puts her little hands on the side of the door and she looks in the window and she says, Did you get me some Starburst? Dad goes, Well, no, I didn't go by the store. I guess you better go get some. What do you think happened? It's all in how you approach the father. Your dilemma is you don't bounce. You don't giggle. Mia asked me, you know, what do you like in a wife? I said, Chantilly lace and a pretty face, ponytail hanging out. <laughs> giggle in the talk. Nothing? All right, sorry. Cut that out, too. <laughs> We're not going to have a sermon left for television. <laughs> yeah, it's all in how you approach the Father. Your problem is your posture is terrible. You ever try to talk to somebody and they don't look at you? Try preaching to them. <laughs> I mean, maybe you have their attention, but you can't tell it. Well, I'm multitasking. No, you're Martha. <laughs> when, when, when you're multitask people... Are Marthas. They think that they can multi. You can't multitask Jesus. You can't multitask church. You can't multitask people that are important to you. Somebody talk to them. You've got to be able to focus. Get your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Martha's gone. Mary's there. She assumes a different position. If you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died because she wasn't complaining. She was stating a praise fact. If Jesus had been there, her brother wouldn't have died. He wasn't she wasn't tearing him down. She was building him up. If you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Notice that Jesus did not argue with Mary. The Bible says when he saw her 
and he saw the people that were with her that he groaned. Did you hear that? Mary is mentioned three times in the New Testament. She's mentioned when she argued with her sister sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus said, the woman's place is not in the kitchen. The woman's place is not cleaning this house. The woman's place is sitting at my feet. Jesus used Mary's testimony to liberate women to worship God just like a man. Mary is mentioned here and something happens that doesn't happen anywhere else. The Bible says Jesus groans and weeps. And then we find Mary in another book going with an alabaster box to the presence of Christ. Breaks the box and pours it on his head. And what does Jesus say? Wherever you tell people about me, tell them about Mary of Bethany. Tell them about this woman. This is arguably the most powerful spiritual leader in the New Testament. She moved Christ. We always give the accolades to Peter who half drowned and spent most of his time cussing and apologizing for it. But I promise you, Mary of Bethany moved heaven. Can you imagine praying to such a, an extent that the Holy Ghost comes on Jesus? See, he's already God. I understand that. But there's like an extra anointing when the Holy Ghost came on him. And he groaned. The Bible says the Holy Spirit groans. All of a sudden, the Holy Ghost gets involved. The Holy Spirit will be involved with your praise. Stop complaining and start praying. Stop trying to work and start worshiping. Somebody help me move the heart of God. You want God to move in your life? Assume the posture of praise. Come into his gates and praise him. Fall on your knees. Be honest with God. And then Jesus said, no, I'm not going to stay here anymore. Go show me where you put him. When he gets over to the graveyard, he says, move the stone. Thank God for Martha. By now, he stinks, Jesus. Can you imagine the whole graveyard quiet? Roll the stone away. By now, he stinks. In other words, probably better that he just stayed dead. There's some things in life that you would rather have in your past buried than to dig it up and let God raise it from the dead. I want to say this to you. There's a lot of people, you have dead things behind stones. God wants to raise them from the dead. He wants to bring them out of darkness. He wants to give you a new perspective on it. Let me give you an example of what I mean, and then I want to pray for all of you. My grandmother has had emotional issues my entire life. She's had physical issues that have caused great travail in her spirit, in her mind. 
I don't know that there's ever been a moment in my life where my grandmother has been healthy. It's always been a bit unhealthy for one reason or another. And so I have put that relationship in a good place, but behind a stone with no emotion involved. Because there was very little reciprocated emotion, it was difficult for me to open myself up and move the stone and allow God to speak life where I had put it on a shelf. I called my grandfather. He and I talk often and hang around a lot together. And I called him and he had left his cell phone with her. And she answered. And so we talked business just a minute about where he is and how she's doing. And, and I told her, I said, I will uh, call you back in a little bit when he gets home. Just let him know that I'm going to call. And she got really quiet. And she said, I like your program. Um, thank you. Are you talking about, yeah, you're on TV. I see you every week. I watch it. It means a lot to me. You do a good job. <laughs> well, thank you, Grandma. I appreciate that. Well, don't go. I'm not telling you this because I'm trying to make you feel good or because you're on the phone. I'm telling you because you're good at it. You're good at what you do. And it helps people. It doesn't make sense to everybody what I'm about to say. One of the hardest parts about being a preacher is that I never have the luxury of putting anybody or anything behind a stone. I can't leave it there. Because I am on TV, I am on the internet, because I have a congregation where the whole community is invited, I can't say to my past, you can't come into my now. I put you there. And by now, it stinks. And so I'm going to leave it in my past. I'll just unfriend you. I'll just move on. No, I pastor a church, which means every week I have to be open. Every week I have to move a stone. Every week I have to pray and ask God for his favor and his anointing. All I am telling you is because I have lived a life without stones, I have watched miracle after miracle of people come out of graveyards back into my heart, back into my life, and God does mighty things. You going to be Martha? Or you going to be Mary? If you're Martha, Lazarus stays dead and you get the house. But if you're Mary, Jesus gets to be king and Lazarus gets to live again. I'm a witness. I'm a witness that God 
can raise the dead. He can fix things that you've given up on. I encourage you. Stop living your Christianity in opposition to your high calling. And be like Mary. And embrace the posture of praise. And cooperate with Christ. As he asks you to take him where you want the miracle to be. When you're Martha, you work a lot. You're bossy, you're mouthy, everybody seems to be afraid of you or happy for you to do what you do, but you never lead them to Christ. When you're Mary, you don't have to say a word. You can just walk through the neighborhood and a whole train of people show up. I bless you with rock-moving faith. I bless you to be Mary and not Martha. I bless you to be a worshiper and not a worker. A prayer warrior and not just a talented complainer. I bless you with the ability to touch the heart of Christ so that heaven groans and weeps when you groan and weep. The different perspective and a different attitude. I bless you with beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. I ask God to heal your bodies, to bless your business, to touch your children, to raise up generations out of your household who will call God by his real name. King of kings, Lord of lords. May the road rise to meet you. May the wind always be at your back. May the sun shine warm on your face and the rains fall softly on your fields. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. God bless you. I love you. I'll see you next Sunday. We hope you enjoyed Pastor Joey's word today. To find out more about our ministry, visit bcog.me. Our services are live-streamed weekly on Sundays at 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you have any questions, you can talk to one of our pastors anytime via bcog.me messenger. See you again in the next podcast episode.